You know me, I'm Mr. Casual. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Iconic Conversations, a countercultural podcast that brings together innovators, community builders, and world changers for authentic dialogue on the human experience, sparking curiosity, vulnerability, and empathetic connection to the world. I'm your host, Tanaki Shana Sutava, and today I got a, a, a very special guest. I know I say every guest is special because every guest is special to me in a different way. Um, this person has literally, I always tell him, um, in terms of like my professional development, um, he literally changed the course of my life. I wouldn't be where I am today without him taking a chance and bet on me. And he literally, his kindness, his leadership, and the way that he's able to continue to hopefully spot potential into other, other people and help them get to where they want to go. Uh, and that's his philosophy has impacted me more ways than he, he doesn't even realize. I'm super grateful to be able to have uh, Principal and the host of the Austin Entrepreneur podcast and my friend, mentor, and big bro, Mr. Nick Spiller. Welcome to the show. Tanaka, you're an inspiration to me just as much as uh, you, know, you just shared there. Um, I'm, I'm honored to be on the show. Excited to, to dive into some 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 revolutionary topics here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's up, man? We were talking about the lunar lunar stock before um, our recording, and obviously, that's really really cool. But that's hot. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. That is crazy. Um, and I want actually I want to know what is your investment philosophy? Obviously, you've been investing for a long time. Um, you've been involved in the Austin startup ecosystem. You've been part. You've been in a bunch of startups or whatever. And I don't really like to talk about this career stuff, but now out of my own curiosity, now as you've been in the game for like ten plus years, what is your investment philosophy back then, and then what is your investment philosophy now? You know, it's a good question. I think, you know, for me, the, really the first step was investing in yourself. And you know, before you can invest in companies intelligently, you need to invest in your education. You know, you need to invest in your network. You need to invest in your just just technical proficiency. You know, and, and, and you know, researching and, and you know, understanding markets. And, and, and so, yeah, I think for a long time it was really just invest in myself, and that meant for me just get, get, paying it forward. And, and and getting involved in supporting my community, which was really like the startup community here in Austin, um, and putting myself in a position to meet and help a lot of individuals, a lot of founders, like specifically like in a way where I didn't get equity and I like I didn't invest or you know didn't have any real share, but really just kind of like you know building social capital. Um, you know, that was really the first 10 years. And I was at UT when really that started and started, uh, you know, a couple entrepreneurship groups within the university that built community. And, you know, I was able to be you know part of that and still, still am a part of that as a alumni advisor to the university of Texas. Um, yeah, you got to invest in yourself before you can invest in, in other deals. Yeah. You know, like if they think in a lot of ways, like, um, you know, that's, that, that, that's true. Obviously you can't, can um and i think some people do invest and you know 
get get lucky basically but yeah and you know when it comes to really like investing in other other companies like you've got to have like an information advantage um right. you know and, and you gotta you know have insights that other investors don't right and so make a capital factory we have built this platform where thousands you know tens of thousands of entrepreneurs engineers engage with capital factory every year they come to our events they come uh you know engage on our socials you know and, and you know they they come you know raise money participate in programs like all, all this activity that happens in the startup community whether it be a demo day or a hackathon you know that's that's like a great way to add value and get to know get to know companies uh, you know kind of get to know the cutting edge and you got to go out there and find some people, um, you know, find the cutting edge, right? And like, once you understand the cutting edge, you can kind of understand the futures. And there's, and I think there's always like a few different big futures that could, could play out. Um, you know, and like, it's kind of got to go bet on some of those, those, those futures. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, you know, big, big part of it. And, um, from investing broadly, uh, yeah, I think what's, what, what, investing in startups it's a lot about the people and it's a lot about your like your, your bs meter and like I, yeah. just, I feel like there's so much bullshit in the startup community sometimes and, and like there's a lot of you know people just that are disingenuous and 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 you know are are, are not really you know presenting the full truth on their startup and you gotta like really read through that and you know kind of avoid bad actors and, and you know kind of really understand who's the real deal and who's who's a little too good to be true yeah. How do you get there? Yeah, because that's hard <laughs> to, to me. Yeah. Well, how do you develop that skill to, in order to read whether individuals are actually being genuine? About their yeah, life? I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not easy to just, like, go get a job that pays you to do it. I mean, it's, it's nice if you can get someone to pay you to meet with companies to, to – to get the pattern recognition, right. And you're kind of like learning on someone else's dime and, and that is very helpful. But even, you know, getting into venture, being a, an associate or, you know, becoming an angel investor is like not like super easy. And so, right. and like I said, like, and for me, before I was ever employed by a capital factory or any organization, I, I donated, you know, probably a couple thousand hours, you know, like probably almost 10,000 hours of time to the startup community, right? Hosting events, um, you know, making connections, networking, just kind of like community building uh, in, in a lot of ways. And just trying, like I said, add value to entrepreneurs, usually by making a connection. As I like figured things out, I was able to give advice that's helpful. And now I think I can add, like give really good advice, um, you know, as I've gained experience seen seen you know hundreds of companies raise money try to raise money not raise money that type of thing um but yeah i think you gotta like you know invest in your, yourself and that means you know putting you really at the beginning it's like putting your time and whatever money you do have whatever capital you do have um into getting those reps right and so um yeah that that, that you know, for me it was like kind of i was able to do that while i was in school at ut and um you know, and kind of through through some some you know, various organizations, like not full time companies, but like these different groups, you can be a part of, and get plugged right. into. Right, and I think like, do you think now? Obviously, there was a there was a point of time where a lot of people, I guess, when during the startup boom, 
2015, like honestly, 2018 to 2021, a lot of people wanted to be a VC or they wanted to get involved. And obviously now we're entering into very tough times. And I guess this is where the people who are really serious stay in the game and they stand out. But why did you think there was such an uptick for people wanting to say, I want to be a VC. I want to join this. I want to do this. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a couple dimensions of it. Probably the biggest thing is that VC as an asset class is maturing. And it's still like a relatively new type of investing. Um, you know, started in you know, sometime in the last 50 years, depending on how you, you cut it. And so there's just kind of this natural, like it's in its growth phase, right? It hasn't peaked, um, you, you know, like some of the more mature asset classes, like real estate, et cetera, mm-hmm. ventures. And so you're just growing the asset classes. The more you, you know, the more AUM that venture has, the more fees that the investors get, you know, the more fees the investors get, the more associates they can hire, the more people get into the space. So, you know, I, I don't think that, it, you know, like it's people have always wanted to get into venture, like since it started. It's always been popular. It's always been hard to get into. I think it's, you know, it's more of it's. There's more opportunities to get into it. The network's bigger. It's it's more commonplace. Um, and I think there's a lot of these organizations like Capital Factory and TechStars. Um, you know that that have essentially like hired people that don't have MBAs in right. VC. Right. And so for a long time, it was really kind of more of a traditional finance role. You know, a lot of the people that were hired as investors at venture capital firms were like from a finance background and worked on Wall Street and did their MBA. And, you know, there's this newer wave of opportunities. It's really people out of undergraduate and people that have been involved in the startup community that get hired as associates and um, can kind of really around deal flow, like more around yeah, bringing deal flow and being in the community and building the brand of the firm. Whereas like the, the traditional finance is more like let's doing heavy traditional due diligence and that certainly be so there's like there's that happened as well probably you know in the last last 10 years so but yeah i think it's like there's more money raised in 2021 and, and um yeah by vcs than ever has been so there's more opportunities to get in and it's, you know more people kind of just hear about it and pop culture and um yeah then i think like the the crypto thing play, like added a bunch of fuel to the fire and just like the type of returns and how accessible that form of investing is, uh, you know, I think we're like created a lot of other, like it's very tangential. And a lot of the people I think that, you know, are like kind of came with that new wave of investors in VC, like we're also like doing crypto stuff and like right. that, that kind of funded a lot of it and sparked this interest in investing. Um, you know, that, that, yeah, I think everyone's like, made a lot of money and then lost a lot of money and learned the lesson and like now now they're probably like starting to you know really be intelligent and all that so. yeah myself included I'm, I'm part of that group <laughs> the the crypto asset the crypto boys honestly that's gambling now i was telling my homie yesterday like no bro crypto is gambling <laughs> it's a bitcoin <laughs> yeah 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 it's uh i mean you can invest in with with you know institutional Investors, spot ETFs offered by Morgan Stanley and all that. I mean, it's, uh, I guess, is, is, is investing in the stock market gambling to you as well? No, I don't think so. I don't, uh, actually, 
I've heard, I've heard, I've heard the comparison that investing in the stock market is like investing in the casino. So, um, I guess if you invest in the S and P five hundred, it's better. Obviously, it's, it's I think it's less risky. Where the risk profile in crypto is, it's the wild, wild west. There's all of these coins that haven't been established, right? And then everything there's a new project that's coming up, and then you're just going holding to the moon. Right, and obviously things explode, things implode, things go great, things go. But it's, um, however, I I got this advice from one of my one of my uh, OGs. They just said like invest in the top two markets, you're good, you're done. Like in top the top two in every market, that's it, you'll be good. But the, the top two stocks in every market. Yeah, the top two like the top two positions. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, boom. Apple, Microsoft, or maybe Nvidia, whatever, boom. Like. Top two cities in real estate, boom. If you're able to get in, you're able to hold for a long period of time, you're good. It's simple. Rather than all this speculative stuff. Mm-hmm. However, with venture, um, it's hard to know, right? Obviously, you've been in the game way longer than me, so you, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm still very new to this, so I'm still learning each and every day. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you have to take a bet when you're investing. And you know, in that sense, all investing is, is gambling. Um, you know, I think uh, I've, I've gambled in casinos quite a bit as well. Um, you know, understand those games. Those games are pure chance, right? Like you, you know, there's some skill, like, but even when you do get skills, like say the counting cards thing in blackjack, like you can't do that, like actually, and like they, they like, you know, kick you out if you actually, you know, develop an advantage. Whereas like, you know, the lunar stock that we were talking about earlier in two the machines, you know, it's, it was you know, announced publicly that they were planning to launch their, their lunar mission. And this has been a very public, you know, piece, but it's, it's not something that a lot of people are paying attention to. Right. Um, so you're, you know, as an investor, you're able to, like, you know, tune into these lines and these things that are happening in the world that maybe everyone isn't paying into and, and like actually make an informed decision and investment. So I think there's like kind of a spectrum of right. risk and betting. Whereas, you know, if I go, yeah, play like roulette, it's, you know, there's, there's not a lot of skill to roulette, right? There's not a lot of, like, I could be the smartest person in the world have, you know, perfect AI, but it's like where the ball lands, the ball lands. Whereas, you know, it's like, you can read, you know, you're never really going to know, you never have perfect information when you're investing, uh, but you can get better information than most investors and therefore have an advantage. And so more, more like a sport, you know, it's maybe like sports are kind of on the other end of, of that right. as well, where, um, you know, like you, you, know, you really get a lot of benefits and advantages as you, you know, work out and practice and develop yourself. And like, that's very, you get a lot of control over that. Right. Um, so investing would kind of be in the middle of like gambling and sports and that, that sense. Yeah. I definitely agree with that in that case. And then, so now when it comes to building that edge or getting that information flow, right? I want to know, it's like, how have, how have you been able to develop the skill set in order to be able to get information before everybody else? <laughs> like, or no, like, because there's so much information. I guess now I'm asking, like, how do you know which is the right information versus the information that is? not necessarily necessary yeah you're talking about finding the signal in the noise mm-hmm. um, and i think it's a very complex thing it's a very human thing right and it goes back to like 
reading through the the bullshit, uh, you know, whether that's just a founder pitching you and the founder crosses the line from exaggerating to telling an outright lie and you kind of pick it up um, all the way to, you know, you're reading, you know, public company stats and how those are presented and, um, you know, sometimes manipulated and, and, you know, completely falsified in some, some cases that are very public. So you, so you gotta, yeah, I think kind of like have just kind of know what, what your information sources are, like, you know, where do you get your news is probably a very like simple, like fundamental question there. Are you getting your news from Reddit and Instagram and, you know, like, or, or are you getting your news from the economist or you know, the wall street journal or financial times, you know? And so, and I think all the other thing we're talking about is just like, you, you know, for, for, Especially for the public, like if you're investing in public markets, which is a real, I'm really not someone to listen to on that. Like, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's like for the public markets and just to be easy, it's like wake up early, you know, like, like be clear mind. Like, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be early, but like usually it's like if you're a night owl, like, you, you know, like it's, it's, you're kind of working against like the business clock, right? Versus like if I wake up early and read the news at 5 a.m., like I know what happened, I know what's going to happen in the day, and like, I usually like, you know, yeah, we'll like make, make an investment or, you know, look at a deal or, you know, some, something like that. And so I think you gotta like, you know, just do your homework and study and, and like review the deals and, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, I'm not saying you can't go to as many happy hours as you want, but if you're just like going out and networking and bullshit and going to all the events and the parties and getting, getting drunk and can't wake up in the morning and sleep until 10 and rolling into the office and taking your calls, like, you're probably not going to get an information advantage, right? You're probably right. going to fall behind, you know, and you're probably, you know, might be able to, to get away with that for a year or two, but eventually like, I think the people that, you know, fall behind, you know, they, they fall off, off, off the boat. And those are the people that, yeah, like, you know, it, 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 it you, you know, end up having to like find, find something, something different. So, so yeah, you just got to be, be ahead of the game and find time to, to read and, you know, like understand the word. I love reading the economist, like specifically, like for me, like economist is like good kind of balanced worldview. It's like in depth. It, 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 it focuses like on kind of global, global news. Um, and yeah, so I subscribe to that and I could get, get the, the print version, the pot, you know, you get like the podcast stuff. And so, so yeah, I think it's just kind of, and, and, and you have to enjoy it, right. You have to have this thirst for knowledge and, right. you know, it's got to be something that, you know, for, for me, it's like I get energized when I sit down and start reading through a startup founder's deck and it's teaching me something, um, you know. And, and so, so, yeah, I think that's the other part of it is like you got to just actually like want to learn and, and you know, kind of have, have uh, you know, you, your, your body, your physiology has to be in a good spot or you've got brain energy and, and all that. So, yeah, that's some, some of the things I, I think about. That's smart because, again, I, I think about that as well, too, because now I'm, I'm wondering. Um, because like the private markets invested is super duper difficult. Like I'm starting to realize, I remember, like Nick, this is hard. This stuff is hard. <laughs> like I didn't, it didn't. I didn't realize. Well, I mean, I knew like in my head, I knew. Oh yeah, it's difficult. But then it went from my head to my heart when I was, um, you know, at an event last week and just learning from other 
um, you know, managing partners and all this stuff. And I, I realized, yo, this is hard. Like, this is very, very, very difficult. And it's, it's, it's not a game. You know, like people make like on people on Twitter say, like, oh man, like if you are a B two B to C investor or whatever, like Gen Z VC, da da da, like hit me up. Ah, you think it's fun, but then you realize, no, this is work. <laughs> this is hard, <laughs> and you gotta like, you gotta put yourself in position to realize like what what type of output are you going to bring based off of the inputs when you don't know your output's gonna occur in the next seven to ten years, maybe. Right. Right. You gotta you gotta keep the boat floating and it's like you got holes in the bottom of it and you gotta keep keep digging you know, bucketing the water out. It's kinda of backwards because you gotta bucket the water in because you're raising raising money and your company's raising money and yeah, I mean it's it's not a very salient thing to build a unicorn, right? And like most most people I mean it's different if you grew up in in on Sand Hill Road in Palo Alto and your dad was an early engineer at Intel and everyone on your road, you know, worked at tech venture back companies. Most of us didn't, I didn't, you know, I, like I said, I was kind of in this for 10 years before I even really, I was in the startup community for 10 years before I became a VC and, you know, really even, and I was, had to be a VC for like five years to even understand, yeah, like you said, how hard it is and what it really works. And and I'm still, yeah, not like super proven. I'm still, you know, less than, less than like a full fun cycle into my career too. So yeah, it takes a long, it just takes a long time. And it's, it's, yeah, I think it's, there's not really a comparable endeavor to building a unicorn. And I think like there's comparisons you can make to like raising, like getting $50 million, right. It's kind of like winning the lottery. I think that's kind of like what happens in people's minds. They feel like, oh, like these people go raise $50 million from investors to start companies. And like, that's the, you won the lottery. And, and, but it's like, that's, it's actually really hard to go like deliver on what you say you're going to do when you raise 50 million bucks. And, and, it, and if you're not successful, it gets even harder. And it's not very, it's not very comfortable to be someone who raised a bunch of money and is not delivering on their investors and have to go raise at different valuations and, and all, all that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's also, yeah, I think there's maybe what you were getting at is there's this mystique around venture and, you know, VCs are, you know, master branders, you know, we're, we're out there making ourselves look like, you know, we're the best partner in the whole world for this company. Right. And so, um, you know, and startups in general are doing the same thing. And they're like, we're, we're, everything's good. Like we're crushing it. We're cruising. We're growing fast. So that's just kind of, you know, the, the rhetoric in the community. But the truth is it's, it's a very rocky road um, on the back end. And there's a lot of ups and downs and, you know, there's, there's growth periods and there's periods of contraction. Um, you know, there's you know, people, relationships get tough. Conversations get tough, you know, like all there, there's, yeah, and so there's all this stuff that's going on behind the scenes that you know, none of the founders or the VCs, you know, are not going to go tweet about that, right? It doesn't it doesn't like help to 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 you know promote your failures really at the end right. of the day. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and so I think people kind of come into it and they have this view from the outside that oh my gosh, these VC people go to happy hours every night, they like just write checks and invest in companies, and it's this like amazing you know lifestyle. But um, no, it's a job, and you got to like get through that and, you know, have the discipline and, uh, you know, kind of the work ethic to go day in, day out and, and, 
and really just not get caught up in the the hype cycles. And you know, I think so many people say, "Oh, AI is you know, or just AI is the big hype cycle right now," and people just all of a sudden are investing in AI because that's the thing. And you know, they have no real information advantage. They just feel like, "Oh, we're going to throw you know, kind of ride this wave." And you know, I think that's not a very well that's not a very intelligent form of investing. And and yeah, if you're not like taking the time to really learn things and become just like, you know, really one of the smartest people in the world in some area, you know, probably like for AI, it's like a, probably some area within AI, you're going to be the expert. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, you got to go really become that to, to make these things happen. Cause at the end of the day, you, like you can bull- bullshit your way to a funding round and people do that. And it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but, um, but you, you're really not going to, bullshit your way to the unicorn company like you got to be the real deal to, to you know grow to hundreds of millions of dollars and and you know kind of build a thousand person team around the world like you can't you know it's only the real deal does that and um yeah and it's like you know i'm i'm, I'm at the point now where there's some companies at the very beginning of my career who are borderline world leaders you know but are still i think you know, the, the companies out of our ecosystems aren't quite as mature as maybe like some of the companies you'd see out of the Silicon Valley ecosystem. It's a little earlier than Austin. And obviously those companies are, yeah, like are, are the prime examples like Uber and Airbnb that are you know, world world leaders, um, you know, and, and, you know, kind of the top most valuable companies in the world that, you know, didn't, didn't exist 10, 20, 30 years ago. Right. And, and so now this is actually a question that I'm, I've been wondering. Obviously, with this hype cycle, there's stuff that's going on. Where do you feel like your expertise lies in, based off, like, you know, um, from your experience and things that naturally gravitate to you, and why? Yeah, it's a good question. I've developed, you know, probably a handful of areas where I can you know, be, be an expert in, um, you know, I think it you know, fund, fundraising is something that I've, I've spent a lot of time around and, and just really kind of the, I'd say like the mechanics of a fundraising campaign and that's, you know, developing your fundraising strategy, you know, researching and identifying the right investors for your fundraising campaign. And then like getting the materials and the pitch and like the content you need to go to go like present your opportunity. And um, so I think that's one, one big one. And what I focus on here at Capital Factory, you know, the other side that I've, I've I'm a little newer on, but have, you know, I've done probably a couple hundred podcast episodes now myself. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I have some pretty distinct ideas. I don't know if I'd call myself quite a podcast expert yet. Um, but, but yeah, that's another area. And, yeah, I think I'm helpful for companies that are like under a million dollars. I think from like zero dollars in revenue to one million dollars in revenue, like I've got like a pretty pretty good view on how to go go about that space. And um, you know, it's just that's where I've I've spent most of my my career. When the comp- I've been involved in a lot of companies that get bigger than a million in revenue, but usually I'm like on to the next company by the time that you know that that stage comes. Right, that makes a lot of sense. And now speaking with your podcast, obviously you have you have a podcast, right? You're doing within Capital Factory. Um, but then also you did your podcast outside of that too. What has been the most what what's what's been the thing about podcasting that most people don't realize that you really enjoyed about it? 
It's a, that's a great question. I think what's the thing people may not realize is it's just good to like talk through your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And podcasts give you a good medium to like think and talk intelligently. And you know, I think it, it adds a little pressure than even if like you and I were going to go sit down and grab coffee, um, you know, because there's people that would be listening to this, like we're, we're thinking a little harder, we're speaking a little more clearly. And I think that just helps clear your vision and helps you understand and work through things. So there's kind of this like therapeutic aspect to it almost. Um, and so, so yeah, I think that's like a cool, fun, fun part. It helps me find my voice. Um, for, especially as like a VC, like you're listening a lot, right? You're getting pitched to. And so um, the podcast is a nice time to like talk through things. And, you know, the other thing is just, it's, you know, people don't even have to listen to your podcast to like think you're awesome for having a podcast. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the kind of people think it's cool. And, and when you have meet someone and you have a podcast, there's just like a little bit added credibility. And um, so, yeah, I always thought that was kind of interesting and unexpected as well. Yeah, I like that. Who's been your favorite person that you have interviewed? I, I know that's putting you on the spot. <laughs> Good question. Why do I put you on the spot, bro? I'm sorry. No, it's good. It's good. It's a little carrot for anyone who listens this far. So I'll give an answer. Probably the most recent recording we did with Chris Seals from Still Austin. Still Austin. Texas Whiskey. Angel Investors locally here in Austin. He has a great story of how he started brand with his father and has grown it and they've got like very very thoughtful and impressive whiskey operation here and here in central texas so yeah that, that, and then yeah there, there's there's a lot of really awesome people i've had on the show and um but that one's definitely top of mind right now that's so dope and then who's the favorite podcast that you've been on because yeah you've been on, on a bunch of podcasts i actually um interviewed somebody um i'm forgetting his name Craig, Craig David, no, Craig something. Yeah, I had him on the mm-hmm. pod. He, you, he was, um, he interviewed you back in 2021. Nice, um, iconic conversations, man. Bro, no, you don't get No, you're a special individual, Tanaka. I don't. I, I mean, you, I've been on some good podcasts, um, but no, man, this is a pleasure, pleasure to be here, and yeah, you capping, bro. No, man, you're you're an inspiration to me. And I I was I've always been jealous that I when I see people on the show and I haven't been on the show and I'm here now. Bro, uh, it was gonna happen regardless. Like one even super busy, right? It was good. Well and you you work late and I'm 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 a family man now, so I yeah I call it call it a, a day around five or six, depending on what's going on. Uh, yeah, you know, it's good. I, you know, besides iconic conversations, um, just been when, when Zhang, our mentor was on hers. Um, Wins was really, really fun. That's another one that sticks out. That was not, that was a good one. That, that was actually one of my favorite ones that I've listened to yours um, about. And I think it did a really great job. And now like, I want to transition real quick because now you are a family man. You're becoming ready to become a family man. And that is a big transition. And I know we talked about it off camera when I when I visited you in Austin a lot, like a, a couple months ago. But what do you feel like is going to be like your framework now as you 
are entering and transitioning to this next um, next chapter in your life. Because obviously, you you work really really hard. You're one of the hardest workers that I do know personally. You are also somebody that loves your family, love your wife. But then, like, I guess what is your what is your mindset in terms of like how you're going to approach balance? Because we we both know that balance doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Well. I- I'd be lying to you if I felt like I had a clear strategy and knew what was going to happen. I think it's, um, I'm very fortunate. My wife is a chiropractor who focuses on kids and families and babies. And, and she really is a, a expert at, at this stuff. Like she's studied, um, and, and really has like a, a very impressive like knowledge base around pregnancy and birthing and kids. And she, you know, she sees dozens of kids every day at her clinic in Round Rock and, um, has been part of you know, at least dozens of births. So if there's anything it's, yeah, you know, like that's, I'm very fortunate that Blair is well-informed and makes very good decisions on like a lot of the technical aspects, right? And there's, there's. Um, there's a lot to having a kid and, and, you know, there's a lot of different opinions, right? Like everyone's kind of got their own opinion. And, um, I love, I ask everyone I talk to what, what, what I should know and get their feedback and I'm, I'm learning slowly but surely, but luckily, yeah. So Blair, my wife is very, um, very dialed in and that's probably a key strategy is just supporting her, making sure she's feeling good, making sure she's getting, you know, the, the help she needs around the house and, um, yeah, I think for, for work, it's, you know, I am thankful, like, we're kind of living in this new world where working from home is a lot easier, and right. that's going to be helpful with the kid, and I'm going to probably do that a little a little more, and that, you know, that's also a big part of kind of my long-term, like, podcasting content strategies, like, content media is, like, something I can create and, uh, you know, engage the community in a pretty big way without having to, you know, be be physically, you know, somewhere specific. And so I, I do want to continue you know, creating podcasts and content. I want to write books and, and you know, do, do that stuff as well. And I think that, um, you know, in a perfect world, I get to retire on a ranch in West Texas and fly helicopters and stuff like, you know, during, during the day, and I can, can just like release podcasts and books and everything. On the way, book club, uh, book club, Dow still a thing, right? Book club does a thing, man. I think it's it's, it's uh, yeah. We're we've got a new new big strategy coming out, and we're feeling good about the the, the Bitcoin crypto market right now too. So yeah, it's uh, you know book club Dallas is collective authorship initiative, and we're writing a book for entrepreneurs as a community. Um, and, and yeah, I really feel like that's got a lot of a lot of legs and. and a lot of a lot of momentum so we're gonna yeah be doing doing a bunch of different um you know live recordings and podcasts that like will ultimately like become the basis for the book we write yeah that's dope bro um and you know this is actually something i've been wondering as we're getting ready to close out the episode um through the culmination of your experiences and everything that you've gone through and now you enter into this new chapter in your life bro what is the one thing that you wish more people knew about you? The one thing more people knew about me. What a, what a tough question. <laughs> well, one thing I thought of earlier, just when we're talking about like work ethic and like VC is a job is, and, and, and people don't know about me is I worked 
an hourly job for a decade um, at in, in the service industry um, at, at golf courses specifically. And I think that was like a really you know defining factor for me. And, and I think a lot of people yeah like see me as a VC and the school job and all that. And you know, and I, I think a, you know a big reason I'm able to wake up early and study is because I had to wake up early for ten years and get to the golf course and open it up. And I was there by six a.m. every morning, every Saturday, Sunday during college. And um, yeah, that that really. One just taught me like work ethic. The other thing it taught me, like being at a country club specifically, is like how to talk to rich people. Mm. <laughs> you know, and yeah, it's like, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. like every person that came in, like I was trying to get a tip out, of, right? And like I was like, for like 10 years, I was like fundraising like at every shift, you know? And, and so um, I think that definitely paid paid off like big time and like translated um, as well. So it's like, you know, that's, if you're in the service industry, you know, kind of get somewhere where you're interfacing with high net worth individuals. Um, and it was those people I met in, in that job that like put me on to venture, right. And like open doors mm. for me in the industry. Like they love doing that stuff when the time's right. And when I graduated and, you know, Dr. John Sibley Butler, who was the entrepreneurship professor at UT for a long time. Like he was a member of the country club I worked at when I came down here and, you know, it was a big, big supporter and funded some of my projects, you know, towards, towards the UT. So, so yeah, I think that's maybe one thing is like, I, yeah, I kind of had this hourly job. I worked from basically when I was like 14 to, to 24 and then, yeah, I got to come into, into venture. Whoa. That's really dope. Because again, I think most people don't realize that this is a service industry, right? You're serving your stakeholders, your LPs, and also you're serving the entrepreneurs, right? And, um, I think it's very, very fascinating because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of times they say, when you become a VC, it can be synonymous with ego, boisterous or loud, whatever, this, that, but honestly, the opposite is true. Is that why you personally pick people? Like you're able to spot work, people who have a strong work ethic, I guess when you're building a team as a leader because of those experiences that you had? I think it helps. Yeah. And, and, you know, I definitely look for people that have like, you know, some type of grit and want to, you know, work hard and, and make it big and know that it's a, yeah, like work is not, not vacation. And you know, honestly, I think a lot of the, like the, the jobs, like the top paying jobs are like pretty, pretty cushy and they're great, great to be, be in. Um, and, but like, yeah, I, we still like need people that really work hard and uh, more than anything, like I kind of bring it up because I think it's a mistake that parents like tell their kids not to have these jobs growing up. Now, I think so many people are like, no, you're not working. You just, just get grades, you know, or just go play your sports, but just focus, just study, just study, don't work. And I think that's like actually very counterproductive. Um, and, 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 and yeah, yeah, like I definitely think my, like my kids will be, will have a job, you know, and like they will work um you know we'll see unless they start their own business that's actually like that would be even better if they just start start a company when they're like 12 and start paying for themselves but that's uh i won't, I won't totally force that 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 side of it <laughs> start with the lemonade stand <laughs> i can make some good lemon lemonade we got a family recipe it's coming soon oh man that's so dope bro might do a little barbecue spiller barbecue giant Bro, I mean, obviously, man, the barbecue is fire, bro. Your barbecue slaps, bro. Your barbecue is freaking fire. Yeah, I know you know. People, oh, the, 
people know. So yeah, that might be that might be our family family business we start. I love that, man. Oh man, and again, bro. I just want to say thank you so much for um, one taking the time just to be on the pod. Um, I love you, man. Like sincerely, I'm super grateful for you. I can't wait to see you back with them, Austin. I'm coming for South by Southwest. I'll be there awesome. March 10th to the 12th. So I'll, I'll pull up. I won't be. I won't make it for the, the the beginning of the Capital Factory, like you know, day, like the, like on Friday. But I'll be there on Sunday because I'm coming from Houston, visiting like a, my friend is having a birthday party. So after that, on the ninth, like eighth, I fly into Houston on the eighth. Birthday party in the night. It's been awesome. So, all right. Pay, pay me when you get here. It's an honor coming on the show. Appreciate you, you chatting and all the nice, nice things you say. And excited, uh, yeah, excited to see the final, final product here. Yeah, yeah. Where can the people find you at if you want them to find you at? Anyway. Well, I just created a TikTok, so that's a new, new platform for me at Spills S P I L L Z. Um, I'm gonna be posting some videos there soon, probably already once once it's there. And then you know, listen to the podcast, Austinpreneur. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just go to capitalfactory.com/podcast. Let's go. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Kind of Conversations. Until next time, we're out.